Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, April 30th. The Cubs swept in three games by the Miami Marlins by a grand total, Brendan, of three runs. So not great. Not great at all, Corey. Um, you know, there's still some positives. We'll get into a lot. I think the the overwhelming thought on my mind is like balancing the roster construction going forward. A lot of encouraging signs from the offense. Steel looked good today again. So the discussion hasn't changed too much over the last week, but I feel as if there's a greater sense of urgency to keep talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. Yeah, so we have plenty to talk to uh, about on this episode of the CHGO Cubs podcast. Obviously, we will talk the Cubs getting swept in Miami. We will talk uh, about the week that was. Of course, the Cubs won a series against the San Diego Padres at beautiful historic Wrigley Field. Earlier in this week, we will talk about Justin Steele being great again and the run that he is on. Cody Bellinger looking like the MVP of old through – a little over a month with the Chicago Cubs here in 2023. We will talk about Adbert Alzali and his potential role in the Chicago Cubs bullpen going forward. We will talk about Eric Hosmer, Matt Mervis, Christopher Morel. Oh, yeah. Do you think that the people want to hear about no. Matt Mervis and Christopher Morel, they Brendan? Just, just they love Hosmer. Looking on social media, yeah. I just feel like nobody wants to talk about that, you right? Know, they just got to stick in AAA, develop, you know. That's what people want. <laughs> Right. So we will talk about all of that. Uh, Brendan, before we get into some of this, this Marlin series and, you know, some of the the finer topics here from this weekend, uh, obviously a, a little bit into March, but the first full season comes to an end uh, on Sunday. The April slate is wiped clean. We will start May on Monday as the Cubs uh, head to Washington, 14 and 13. The Cubs have the second best run differential in their division uh, behind, as we've noted, of course, the juggernaut first place Pittsburgh Pirates, as everybody expected. Um, generally, they, yeah. they look pretty good. If you're a fan, I know you are of, of Pythagorean win-loss, right? Like it's my they jam. probably yeah. should be a little better, right? They probably should have won a couple games. Um, 
how do you feel generally about this team after a 14 and 13 April plus March? I feel much better now than I did a month ago. I think it's pretty obvious. You're getting performances from wisdom, you're getting performances continuing from steel from the second half of last year. Nico is on pace for seven plus war. Bellinger, you just noticed it, looked as if he's like his former MVP self. And then I didn't expect the majority of the offense to produce this well. So in my mind, I was a little concerned about, you know, some of the pitching and some of the back end depth. And I still kind of am. But generally speaking, I did not expect this level of offensive performance from the top of the lineup. I was hoping that we get, you know, passable offense from Wisdom, passable offense from Bellinger. But passable, I just mean like a league average. That's what I was hoping for. Right. And you're getting that and then some and some continuing adjustments that are yielding more value than the projections expected from like Nico Horner. So I feel really good. I'm also really annoyed because they are underperforming their expected record in which we'll get into it. And part of me is a little concerned that despite them putting up so many runs, they're getting a little unlucky in not capitalizing on the opportunity that they have right in front of them with scoring so many runs. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that some more. Uh, I see our guy, Cody Del Mendo in the chat. Uh, I know he always appreciates the opportunity to just be in the YouTube chat and, you know, not the one, uh, in front of the camera. Uh, also before we go any further, want to give a shout out to the entire CHGO bears team before I forget. Uh, their draft coverage live at Joe's on Weed Street that started on Thursday was incredible. Um, just some amazing uh, YouTube chats and and coverage that they were doing for several days uh, nonstop. So shout out to the entire CHGO Bears team and everybody that was uh, over at CHGO putting all that together. It was a, a really spectacular weekend of coverage. Um, back to the Cubs, Brennan. So you were talking about this series in Miami. Uh, our guy Ryan Herrera in the chat asking where the graphs are at. I don't know. Up to you, Brendan. I don't know. You if got no he, grass to that. No I, don't, I don't know if he has any. I mean, he can I, cook them up while we're on the air. There's we'll a correlation between the so, Cubs doing well and me making graphs. Right now, I'm not happy. So, so in this series in Miami, Brendan, on Friday, uh, again, all of these losses for the Cubs coming by just a single run. On Friday, it was a three to two loss. On Saturday, a seven to six loss, and then today, on Sunday, a four to three loss. On Friday, the Cubs won for seven with runners in scoring position. They leave seven men on base. Two for 11 with runners in scoring position. On Saturday, they leave nine on base. And then on Sunday in the finale, one for seven with runners in scoring position. Eight left on base. When you lose all three games by one run, that'll do it. You They had their chances. And especially the game on Saturday, Brendan, felt very much like a game we have seen many, many times, but not from this group, right? We've seen iterations of this Cubs offense in the last several years, load the bases and score no runs seemingly in an impossible fashion, right? And we saw a little bit of that in in this series and especially on Saturday. So very frustrating. Um, At the same time, getting back to what you were talking about, like I I think coming into the season, had you told me that they would have finished March and April 
a game above 500 with, I believe, a plus 43 run differential. Again, the second best in their division, one of the better numbers, you know, in the National League. Um, their pitching staff doing what it's doing. And especially in a month where you knew that they had a series with the Padres here at Wrigley Field, two series with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Obviously, you start the season with Milwaukee. Not the, not a cakewalk of a schedule, right? Um, I would have been pretty pleased with that, right? And if you told me Cody Bellinger's, you know, got, a, a, I think, a 160 WRC+. plus. Patrick Wisdom has double-digit home runs in the month of April and a 158 WRC+. plus. I would have been like, boy, sign me up for all of this, right? So yeah. I think the fact that the conversation, even on social, has turned into, like, kind of like panic, right? Like, <laughs> after after getting swept in Miami, like... I'm kind of here for it, right? Because I think people are recognizing. You, you love that this, a good panic, don't you? No, I'm not. I'm not here for the the panic. I'm here mm. for the the climate that has created the panic, which is <laughs> people have bought into this team. They they yeah. see this team as having potential and the and the potential to be competitive in terms of not only just this division, um, which you know they they finish April a handful of games back uh, in the division. And, you know, competing for a wild card spot right now. And I think people see that and they're getting worked up over how they think they can, you know, kind of, uh, kind of get better and, and maximize these it. things. And, and, you know, of course it's easy when you look at the numbers from this weekend and say, boy, like, I wonder if there's anything that they could do to possibly have scored mm. another run in any of these games. Right. Mm. And, and we'll, certainly get into that. But I think generally, like, I feel pretty good about the the state of this team. I think we have entered into a place where we watch these games. Um, and, and Carlos is in our YouTube chat. We're, we're doing this uh, episode live on YouTube. If you're joining us live on YouTube, hop in the chat, throw us a thumbs up uh, and a like on YouTube. We appreciate that. If you're listening on your podcast feed later. Hello. We appreciate that as well. Uh, Carlos in our YouTube chat though says caring about results again rules. And I think like, that's like it sort does. of the crux of it, right? Like you yeah. watch the 2022 Cubs, we kind of knew what that was, right? It fizzled out very quickly. The vibes were gone very early and you know, it was a bad team. I think people recognize this is a, a potentially competitive group and they are buying in to what yeah. this team is selling, which creates a panic after you get swept by a combined three runs in Miami. Yeah. I don't, have a sense of panic. I, I I see it like you do on social, where people are like really, really fed up by well, not, maybe not seeing panic, but very passionate. Very passionate is probably word. the most appropriate word. Yeah. But very passionate about not seeing Morel and Mervis, and very passionate about seeing some of these pinch hit decisions and some of the. I wouldn't say they're nitpicky details, but to many fans, it seems obvious to call up hitters that are mashing 11 home runs in, in AAA. Like it seems obvious, especially when that particular guy in Christopher Morrell nearly won rookie of the year last year. So there's a sense of what are we doing here? Are we trying to full out compete? What are the intentions? And in one sense, we are competitive. Like I don't think you use the term potentially competitive, which in the long term of the season, yeah, they're potentially a playoff team. But Corey, in the moment, it's not potentially. Like they they're their their Pythag record yeah. 
is 17 and nine. It's among the best in Major League Baseball, but their actual record is one game above 500. So why is why is that happening, right? And that's what we right. can get into. And can some of the decisions they make in the form of promoting AAA guys mitigate some of the natural suckiness or randomness that is in baseball that leads to underperforming your Pythag record by almost five games. That is the concerning you, feature for me. For, for anyone that's that's unsure, can you explain what Pythag win-loss is? You want me to like actually quickly, see the formula quickly, on air right now? Quickly. So it takes in runs scored, runs allowed, and it estimates a winning percentage based on that. Uh, so right now, based on Pretty many, simple. It's very simple. So based on the Cubs 40-ish or so run differential, there should be, when you factor in none of the sequencing, they should be 17 and 9. That's yeah. what it suggests. But crazy stuff happens. Yeah. You saw it. This is what yeah. we have. Yeah. I mean, I think this series too in Miami is also representative. We talked earlier in the year about some of the games. I mean, really like the, the first game of the year, some other ones that just felt very representative of how this team was built to win games, right? We've seen games where they've blown teams out, right? The offense has exploded at various times, but a lot of the games you've seen really solid pitching that holds the opponent's offense down. They scratch a handful of runs, enough runs. They took advantage of uh, some opportunities, ran the base as well, took extra bases, et cetera, et cetera. And th that felt like a good game, you know, roadmap for how they were going to win a lot of games. This series in Miami, unfortunately, when we came into the season represents, I think, how a lot of us feared they would lose a lot of games, right? When you looked at this team, the fear wasn't that they were going to get blown out by other teams. The fear was they're going to play a lot of close games. And that it involves a lot of randomness, a lot coming down to one particular pitch, one ball, you know, Nico hit that ball, I think on Saturday uh, that in a different ballpark, probably a home run. I almost know, fainted to the right that. of center yeah. field. But in that big park like that, it, it doesn't, it doesn't translate to a home run. Brendan's dropping forum uh, <laughs> formulas in the YouTube chat right now. Oh, it's so it's, very it's against so cool. the rules. Um, I know I know. But so I think that this series is, is representative of look like when, when you have uh, a, a team that pitches well, plays good defense, but that is not always going to be able to rely on having just an absolute juggernaut of an offense. Even if the Cubs offense on the whole has been very good this year, this is how you're going to lose some games. It's going to come down to, bullpen decisions, you know, did you walk that leadoff hitter in the eighth inning of a one-to-one -one game, stuff like that. And unfortunately, in this series in Miami, the breaks didn't go their way. Uh, you had comebacks fall short. You left a ton of runners on base. You know, Ross's maneuvering with the bullpen didn't work out in a lot of ways. Some of that, you know, I, I don't think is necessarily the fault, fault of his decision-making. This is just what happens in one-run games. The margins are razor thin and Sometimes the, you know, them's the breaks, right? So I think as we've seen games earlier in the year, look, hey, this is how the Cubs can win a lot of games. This was, you know, execution of Jed's plan to a T, right? Like this is the other side of that. It's unfortunately just the risk that you carry when yeah. you're playing a lot of close games. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the the one run games that they, that they lost this series, I don't think it was a, it's a mixture of a lot of factors, right? But like they left so many men on base, with bases loaded, Nico uncharacteristically struck out three times. Then, yeah. Right. Like those are games we're going forward are going to be the rarity. It's not really this series that is at the forefront of my mind in like 
you know, how they perform the series is not the reason why I'm kind of annoyed or concerned, even though that's not the right word. It's the games prior to this series in some of those situations that do kind of irk back up into the front of my mind. For example, the back end of the bullpen, like trying to rely on former developing a sweeping pitch to nail down that closer role was risky. Some of the performances, we were not scoring as many runs when in one sense, you want younger guys to develop and Mervis and Morrell in Iowa, that's kind of risky. And so I look back at the last week and two weeks, and I'll pinpoint some of the criticism in the process during then than I will right now. Although, as far as we know, as we're recording this Sunday you know, evening, uh, Morrell's not up. Mervis is not up. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, we're going to see decisions from Ross of whether he should pinch it Nick Magical or Rios or Gomes if he's not catching and Barnhart is. And to me, when your Pythag record is that high, when you're hitting all the cylinders, yeah, man, it's really difficult to convince me that this is the best path forward, both in the short term and in the long term. Yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing it in our YouTube chat now. I see the phrase coming up on social media a lot as well. Uh, Is this their best 26-man roster? right? It's and absolutely not. The, the answer is no. And we'll get into a, a deeper discussion on some of those decisions. It's not always an easy decision, right? There is a lot to consider. There there are ramifications yeah. on a number of levels. But I do think that when you look at this organization after the month of April, um, I think it is fair to say that this is not the best 26-man group in terms of talent and roster maximization, positional flexibility, all of those things. It's just not yeah. the best version of it. And when they are currently competitive in terms of thinking of, of a potential playoff spot, it's obviously frustrating, right? And you ask yourself, you know, would one of these hitters have been the difference in a any one of these one-run games? Would, mm-hmm. if the Cubs had gone out and gotten a lockdown closer at some point in this offseason, what does their record look like so far after this season? He's certainly probably saving them at least a couple of those games that the bullpen let get away from them and making things easier on Ross. It's easy questions to ask. And that's where I think we kind of figured this season was going to go, right? Like there was a lot of potential outcomes to start this season. I think this is one of the more but obvious ones. It's right? going better. It, it is than going we better. Expected. Yes. That's the, that's, that's the annoying part because no one projected Bellinger to be on a seven war pace, nor Nico, you know, and they're hitting on those top tier level projections where they were not confident whatsoever. But even despite doing that, they're not winning the games they should be winning. So that is naturally going to annoy fans and it's naturally going to annoy me and we'll, we'll rip into it uh, after this ad break here. So first break from our sponsor, DraftKings is NBA playoff time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button. New customers, you can make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. 
Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game. If it does not hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Right now, I have my eyes on that Suns-Nuggets game tomorrow. Call these at PHNX and DNVR. Uh, going at it. Suns right now are four-and-a-half-point underdogs. I'm kind of partial to Arizona. I'm going to be hitting that four and a half underdog bet and you can download the app now sign up with code chgo new customers again five dollars pre-game money line bets score 150 dollars in bonus bets if their team wins only at DraftKings sportsbook with code chgo second break here from our sponsor game time game time buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun that you will have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. It's the fastest Growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. If you're like me, though, I'm like, you know, I plan, you know, weeks out in advance. They have great flash deals, but I'm in San Diego right now. I got my tickets to the Cubs San Diego Padres game in the beginning of June. Uh, I know for a fact that they're the cheapest tickets right now. If both those teams start performing well, they're going to be more expensive. So I snagged those through game time. You can download the game time app, create an account, use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Brendan. So want to uh, talk about one of the guys that you mentioned uh, and just highlight Cody Bellinger a little bit. Uh, Jordan Bastian from MLB.com put out this nice number Cubs hitters with seven plus home runs and a 975 or higher OPS in March and April in modern franchise history. Uh, Gabby Hartnett, 1925. I know you're a big fan of that 1925 oh, yeah. team, Brendan. Yeah. Lee Walls in 58, Kingman in 79, Sammy Sosa twice in 01 and 02, Moises Alou. In 04, mm-hmm. Derek Leo 508, Wilson Contreras in 19, Chris Bryant in 2021, and Cody Bellinger in 2023. Cody Bellinger, after this weekend in Miami, he hits his seventh home run on Sunday, 297, 371, 604. His slash line, good for a 158 WRC plus or 58% better than a league average hitter. That K rate sitting at 16.2%. Brendan, yeah, we'll did they get the MVP version of Cody Bellinger? I, did I, that really happen? I, I think they did. Making 82% contact. The average rate is around 76 77%. Slugging the ball, playing gold glove defense. Corey, this is the version that won the MVP a few years ago. So I didn't expect this. I honestly did not even expect like – above league average offense at this point. So naturally my mind goes to how sustainable is this? And the answer to that is unknown at the time. Although if you're looking for one encouraging trend in this small sample, it would be that contact rate because over the years when he was struggling, 
That contact rate was about seven to eight percentage points lower. The strikeouts were obviously up as a result. So if I'm looking for anything to be encouraged about in a form of sustainability, it's going to be Cody making contact and it's hard contact. Like you're seeing him blast baseballs all over the outfield. So this is really, really encouraging, Corey. Yeah, I mean it's it's fun to watch. It's it's interesting. I, I think it's fun how I, I was gonna say Cubs fans, but like I, we're part of it, right? I want to make that clear. I'm not like judging other people. I'm as psychotic about this as anybody. So Brendan more so. Uh, What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> but I was looking over at the Cubs subreddit uh, after the game today, just looking through the the post game yeah. thread, and the discussion is immediately that Cody Bellinger is performing so well. That part that of the reason that, that the Cubs are not calling up Mervis <laughs> and Morell is because they don't care about this season. They're going to push the chips in for 24 and they have to trade yeah. Cody Bellinger, right? And I'm not even saying that like some of that doesn't make sense to Jed, but I, I do just love that like we go from taking two of three from a, a San Diego team in at Wrigley feeling really good. They get swept by the Marlins and we're immediately back. I love it. Well, if Cody Bellinger is this good, they can get someone even better than PCA at the deadline. Right? Like I I do, I do love how all of us kind of collectively freak out. It's the, uh, the April swings and emotions, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So uh, that, that was funny. Uh, Another guy I want to point out and obviously highlight Justin Steele, man. I mean, you've talked a lot about his stuff. Um, and, you know, again, doing these guys before we really get into the uh, ever ongoing Matt Mervis, uh, Eric Hosmer, et cetera, conversation. Uh, but Justin Steele, just another stellar outing on Sunday. Certainly not his fault that the Cubs weren't able to get the win. Six innings, seven hits, three runs, but only two of them earned a walk and three strikeouts. His ERA on the season sitting at one point four nine another couple interesting notes uh from jordan bastion the longest consecutive start streak with no more than two earned runs allowed in cubs modern history uh 15 for jack taylor in 1902 brendan i know you love that 1902 team i do uh as well big fan jake arietta in 2015 to 2016 with 14 such starts and then justin Steele in 2022 up until now. And of course, Justin Steele's streak is active. He has the ability to keep that one going. Uh, And also Cubs starters with four plus wins and a sub 1.5 ERA in the months of March and April together. Greg Maddox in 2006 was 5-0 with a 1.35 ERA. Jake Arrieta in 2016, 5-0 with a 1.00. What year was that? ERA 2016. So Jake Arrieta would actually go on uh, yeah. to win the World Series with the Chicago Cubs. Cubs won the World Series. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Justin Steele, four and zero with a one point four nine ERA here in twenty twenty three. You've broken down a lot of what is making it work and how Justin Steele is doing it, but I just wanted to make sure we read those to not get lost in the shuffle. That obviously he has been really good. We've talked about the Cubs having a homegrown top of the rotation, frontline starter, and everything that he's been doing to make that happen. But he is currently on like franchise record pace with some of this stuff. Uh, It's just thoroughly impressive. And it's not just good. I mean, he has been fantastic 
Chicago Cubs record book kind of stuff that Justin Steele is doing right now. And he's not done. The, the, one of the, one of those streaks I read was an active streak. He can keep it going. It's, it's really, really impressive. This is setting the stage for that discussion because they are getting performances like Steele's and getting performances like Bellinger and all of this, right? So these are the extremes that we've been harping on throughout the offseason. They need to hit on the extremes, hit on the extremes, hit on the extremes. This is a legitimate one, one percentile extreme, an MVP caliber f- uh, performance from Bellinger. It's Justin Steele putting up historically best numbers, right? That's the stage and the foundation upon which we'll be talking about the rest of the moves and what what makes sense, what they're doing. Is it logical? And I can't like I have to get this out. I can't shake this this feeling, this idea that they're like they're just they're missing an opportunity at this point, or rather, the risk is not being properly assessed. Yeah. I uh, think that that's fair. I mean, we can just hop into that discussion. I think it's what, you know, a lot of people want to hear. Um, so obviously Christopher Morell gets a day off on Sunday. Um, we're, you know, live on YouTube. If you're watching this now on Sunday night, it's about six forty-five in Chicago. So there can be updates on this, I suppose, right? The Chicago Cubs are headed to Washington, one of the people in this discussion is from Washington, D.C., that being Matt Mervis. Wouldn't it be nice to call him up and have him make his debut in his hometown, Brendan? Perhaps. That would be uh, nice. You know, but regardless, so Morell doesn't play on Sunday, but he sits in AAA uh, so far this season through 91 at-bats. He's got 11 homers, 28 RBIs a 363 average, 463 on base, and a 1298 slugging, uh, excuse me, OPS, Brendan. That's uh, pretty good. feel like the Cubs could use that kind of offense. And he is just swatting home runs every every game. It's uh, really fascinating to watch him do this. Matt Mervis uh, does play on Sunday. He's got 88 at-bats on the year, 295, 407 on base, a 987 OPS, six home runs. He drove in multiple runs on Sunday uh, with some doubles, uh, just absolutely ripping the ball. I can't, I, he, he had, I think, the hardest hit ball for the Iowa Cubs this season was one of his RBI doubles um, in terms of exit velocity. They're forcing the hand, Brendan, and you look at the overall numbers, and I think it's important to note, like, when we talk about this stuff, nobody is suggesting that Eric Hosmer is the sole reason that the Cubs are not scoring enough runs or that they lost one-run games this weekend, right? If you watched this weekend, some of their studs were the ones not coming through in those bases loaded spots, right? That's going to happen. It's this, this discussion isn't to say that it's all just uh, Eric Hosmer, but Eric Hosmer is the one that they're not really paying. The San Diego Padres are paying. He's playing a premium position that really needs offense. And you look around the league, obviously first base and DH uh, is, an important spot to be getting offense. And then you look at like the base running blunder in the game this weekend, just not the type of thing that, you know, can really be going on for anyone, let alone a guy with, you know, a 670 OPS. Um, So there's a lot to this discussion. Uh, But 
I think the the first part, and it 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 came up in our chat here from Evil Wax seventy three. Uh, Morell's hitting for power, but his strikeout rate is just as high as last year. I think it's at about twenty eight percent right now in AAA. So my first question, Brendan, like for the Cubs, they have a lot of questions to figure out in making some of these moves, right? Like I think if you're looking for the higher ceiling, there's no confusion there, right? The potential from Morell from Mervis over Eric Hosmer is a no-brainer, right? But when you look at, let's let's look at Christopher Morell specifically, right? They did want him to lower that K rate, and it did cause problems for him at the end of the 2022 season at the major league level. But for him and the Cubs, how do you balance, right? He's got a 1,300 OPS, right? It's difficult to address your strikeout issue when you are hitting at such an incredible yeah. clip. It's crazy to say, hey, the 1,300 OPS and the 11 homers are cool, but you have to strike out less. It's like, no, you're going to take the 1,300 OPS, right? So how do you balance that, right? And then also, do you think that Christopher Morell is at the point in his career where he can no longer address that at triple a and i think maybe those two questions have the same answer right if he's able to hit their pitching to the tune of a 1300 ops who cares how much he's striking out he can't address it at that level he has to address it at the major league level with better pitching i mean th think about it the way i think about it is in two ways right the first is that he's moving that power ceiling higher right which means your willingness to accept the strikeouts will become greater. You think about some of the most elite power hitters in the league, they tend to make contact around 70%, 65%. Morrell was below 65% last year. He needs to make more contact. That's indisputable. But if he's going to showcase 30-plus home run potential, which he clearly is based on this sample and going back to last year, then to what degree are we concerned about the strikeouts going forward? Me personally, it's significantly less. That's the first way to think about it. The second way to think about it is, okay, can he make the necessary adjustments in a timely manner in AAA if a good bulk of your pitching opposition is just not that good? Can you go through that iteration process as fast as appropriate to get back to this level? And so my thinking is, no, bring him up. Let him go through some of those growing pains. Let's see more highly valuable pitching and let him make those adjustments at the big league level. And it, it might it might be uncomfortable at times, right? But the alternative to Morrell not being on the Cubs right now is Nick Madrigal. And Nick Madrigal could be a fine utility player, but he's been a below league average offensive producer. And he's being lauded justifiably so for being better than last year, but he's still below league average. He's sure. still learning third base and looking pretty good doing it. But does that mean he should be taking at-bats away from a Christopher Morrell that has showcased a rapid evolution in his career, an unpredictable evolution? No one thought Morrell would be a 30, 35 home run guy. No one thought he would be even a rookie of the year candidate last year. You have to factor that in and let him evolve against yeah. the best talent. So that's the way I think about it. And that's completely separate from the idea that him on the team is unequivocally making this roster 
its best version of itself, yeah. right? And that's separate from the whole developmental side. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, you also you talked about Madrigal. I mean, I think Edwin Rios too. Like he had, uh, you know, some. He looked good on Sunday, uh, but it's it's a similar position that we have seen before, where he just like Ross just doesn't deploy him that much. It's a very difficult spot to be in. Yeah. Uh, where you're called on, like, you know, he's called on, I think, in the game on Saturday to come and take in a bat late in the game with the bases loaded. I mean, we hadn't seen him in a week prior to that. Like, that is not easy. Like, hey, come in against, you know, a hard-throwing reliever with the bases loaded in the game on the line. Um, you know, it, it, it just is what it is. Um, but I think with Morell, like, yeah, I I'm, I'm with you. And I think with the, the sort of general consensus, I think there's always, when we're talking about some of these roster moves, there is always the possibility that they're the, they, that Morell or Mervis don't do well. Right. Like, and that it, it doesn't work, whatever, but the ceiling I think is higher. And at this point you have to figure out what you have in some of these guys. You've tried some other things. It's not working. Uh, and you have to be willing to be aggressive and make moves on this stuff. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like with Morell, it's clear that he's just sort of reached a point to me where there's just not much for him to do or learn at AAA. And you kind of start spinning your wheels. You know, it would be nice if he could have a 1300 OPS with a 15% K rate, right? Well, then but that's like, Mike Trout. Yeah, right. And like, I'm not, I'm just not sure how you do that, you know, at a level that you are, you know, over producing on like, yeah. at, at a, and at a certain point too, you also wonder about the message to some of the younger players, right? Like you want to reward these players. Like I was very excited when they made the move to DFA Torrens when Cody Bellinger came off of the paternity list earlier in this week, because it meant that Nelson Velasquez was staying right. And Nelson Velasquez earned it. He deserved it. He came up in your system. He performed in the minors. He performed in winter ball, in fall ball. He did everything he could for you and, and the organization to prove himself. You want to reward that, right? And it gets to a point with Morell where I, I think it was near and earlier in the chat, you know, pointed out that like uh, Outman and Lowe, a couple prospects for the Dodgers and the Rays that have come up and performed really well at the major league level also had some K concerns in the minors, you know, that you have to overcome and see what happens. But yeah. I think, you know, at some point you just reach a point where it's like, what are they doing down there? And I get the concern sometimes where it's like, where's everybody going to play? You know, how's everybody staying fresh? And we just talked about like Edwin Rios, right? Like he's not playing, he's not getting opportunities. And that's going to be something for David Ross to figure out, but you have uh, a hole at first base on offense. You have the DH position. You have Patrick wisdom being flexible and able to move to different positions. I, I, I think yeah. you can make it work and I think you can get everybody in there. And it's again, as people have said in the chat, like it's all about giving David Ross the best 26 players available. And yeah. I don't think he has that right now. And as people are sort of suggesting, in the uh the chat as well like that extends to the bullpen as well which we saw this weekend yeah yeah i mean there's there's people who do believe and value nick magical skill set i'm one of those people as well but when i use the term underproduce it's relative to your highest ceiling and right now Morel, uh, uh, magical's overall production is four percent 
worse than league average offensively. He's at 96 WRC plus. He's batting 289 with no power. Again, that skill set is valuable. And to many people's points, that in a bases loaded situation would be probably ideal if you just want to make contact. But for the Cubs to make the playoffs, given Nick Madrigal's projection of right now 0.5 to 1 total war this season, you're not moving the needle far enough to make the playoffs. That's the point. So there's different ideas of what makes sense going forward. But if you're going to play Nick Madrigal, the overwhelming likely scenario is that he's around a one to one and a half win player based on what we know right now. The scenario in which Morrell plays the majority of the time, the range is so high. He has 30 plus home run potential. As a result, that's naturally a tipping point performance to get you from 82 wins to 84 wins. That is a playoff spot. So that's where I get a little on edge when we're trying to farm out playing time. And again, this is not to say, oh, DF, I'm not slamming Madrigal. It's a valuable skill set that, in my opinion, should be deployed in optimal situations. I don't think he's being used at his optimal value right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, as we talked about as well, it's also a tough spot for someone like Madrigal. Um, you know, he's being asked to play sporadically. He's picked up a new position at third base. And for a guy that doesn't have a ton of major league plate appearances under his belt, right, especially when he's been healthy, again, it's it's the same as other guys. It's a tough spot. But I, I say that to suggest that that's where this team is, right? Like you, you brought in a guy in Cody Bellinger to see if he could reclaim his career. He's doing it. He's going to patrol center field every day, right? You signed Seiya Suzuki. He's had a very good start to the year despite a, a bad weekend for him in Miami. And it was a bad weekend. That's fair to say, right? Like he's going to be your right fielder every day. Ian Happ is yeah. your left fielder every day. Dansby, Nico, that's your middle of the infield. Don yeah, Gomes right. is going to play behind the plate most days. There's only a couple positions left where someone has not planted that flag and is your everyday starter. So it's a t it's going to be a tough spot for a lot of these guys. And even at third base where Madrigal's trying to crack, Patrick Wisdom has a 158 WRC plus. He yes, just he hit does. 10 home runs in the month of April. You can't yes, put him does. on the bench, right? In half the games the Cubs have played, Patrick Wisdom is the only offense that they have because he hits the ball over the fence, right? So it's it's a tough balance. And when we talk about Morrell in particular, he can play the outfield as well. He can play the middle infield. He can play third base. So he's going to have more flexibility than someone like Madrigal. But it's going to be on David Ross to make sure these guys are actually getting an earnest opportunity to make adjustments to major league pitching and produce and stay fresh, which is not easy. But at some point, the question still becomes like, I would rather have some combination of Morell and Velasquez taking these DH starts or yeah. taking these late inning at bats. than I would Edwin Rios after sitting on the bench for a week, not doing anything. And I like Edwin Rios. I like what we saw in spring, et cetera, but the usage just isn't going to be productive. And yeah. guys like Torrens or whoever else they've been trotting out, you know, for some of these things, like, I just don't like it. We saw a game earlier in the year where the Cubs have to bring in like Tucker Barnhart to pinch hit, right? Well, like, that's what I mean, man. That's got to go. I'd rather that can't happen. Morel, you know? That can't you can happen. Get to a point where we feel like Morell's not playing enough and it's to a detriment to him, then that's a separate discussion. But I think at the same time, you can make an, a, you know, an argument that him blasting on, um, triple a pitching like is you know is yeah. not going to work right no. so 
Yeah. All right. So quick break here from our sponsor, Shady Rays, and we'll get back at this discussion. Shady Rays take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed up by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. From building place tests for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days there's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Final break here from our sponsor, Foco. Get fitted out in the best sports gear around. Foco has hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. They have these Cubs slippers, Corey. I'm a big slipper guy. I actually might go out and buy those after this uh, episode. Very cool. It's also spring and baseball season, which means Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything that you need for a game. Also, those Aloha shirts, I always mention this. You want to match our Ryan Herrera, get an Aloha shirt. See if your shirt is better than his. They also have set decorations. Foco has donated over a few, has donated a few awesome pieces for our sets that you guys have seen. Many bobbleheads. Go show them some love. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description of this episode for all non-pre-sale items. Use the promo code CHGO for ten percent off. Those are the slippers. I, I want some of those slippers. I mean, beautiful. You could rock them. Yeah. I. You think so? Those moccasins? I think I can. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Good stuff. Thank you. All right, Brendan. Uh, so let's keep it going. Let's talk Matt Mervis, right? Like, I, I think it's it's a different discussion, obviously, because Matt Mervis has not played at the MLB level. So with Christopher Morell, we have a reference to what I think the front office and the team wanted to see differently from him and what the concern might be against Major League Pitching. Matt Mervis, we haven't seen that, but I do feel like we've reached a similar point with him where I just don't know what else he has to prove at the AAA level. Now, you can always ask the question, right, for the player, not for the 2023 Cubs right now, is this the best time to bring him up, right? Is this the best situation? Is this the best moment to help Matt Mervis become the the first baseman for the next 10 years, right? Is that yeah. moment Monday night in Washington, right? You know, I, I don't know. You know, I think that that's a question the, the organization is going to have to ask. In terms of what he has done in, at the minor league level, I don't know what more you would want to see from Matt Mervis, right? He's not striking out at a high clip. He's walking at a high clip. He's homering. He's using the whole field. He's driving in runs. Like, maybe, you know, on defense, maybe they want to see more, but like, you can work on that at the, you know, at the major league level. And I don't think the Cubs have gotten stellar defense over there in the first place. You could also DH him if you just want him to get comfortable hitting, but 
I think right now we talked about it. Trey Mancini's on a multi-year deal. They're paying him. They're going to, you know, he's heated up a little bit. They're going to let that play out, right? Hosmer just doesn't look good. He His ground ball rate is crazy. He's got a 670 OPS. Um, he's making mistakes on the bases. It just doesn't look great. And I think they likely bring him in under some kind of condition, right? That, that Jed and him talk about that he's going to get playing time, get an opportunity to play and showcase what he's got. I don't know, you know, what kind of like agreement they had, if they did or anything like that. And you want to go about this in the proper way, right? You, you have a reputation. We've heard this, right? We heard it from David Robertson. We've heard it from Andrew Chafin, a lot of these guys, right? That they signed here for a particular reason. They had been told to come here by guys who had played here before, that the training, the family support, everything about the Cubs organization was worthwhile to come and invest your life and family in. Um, so you have to be respectful of that, right? In terms of just cutting someone like, you know, people were ready to cut Hosmer after a week, right? And it's like, well, they're not going to do that, right? Like they have a relationship to maintain with a lot of people. At the same time, the Padres are paying him, right? You're paying him next to nothing, you have no commitment to him. You gave it a shot. It's not working. And you have a guy in AAA who's lighting up the scoreboard and the box score every day, doing everything you would want to see. And this team needs a, a needs a boost, yeah, Brendan. Man. And you only, as we just discussed, there's only a certain number of positions where that boost can come. And Matt Mervis just happens to play one of them. There's another way to think about it too. Come July they may need to make a trade. They may need to add offense to this roster. So do you learn a lot about their ability to hit in August and September right now by Mervis playing in Iowa in May? Or do you learn more about his projection going forward if he's at Wrigley Field next week? I think it's pretty obvious. Once you get your guys at Wrigley getting major league pitching, not only could it be good for their development and you win more games, but you inform yourself to make better decisions come the trade deadline. And I think this is wrapped up too in like the Nelson Velasquez uh, discussion that we had, even like dating back to the offseason, uh, especially when Seiya was out, who should play right field the majority of the time. And with Nelson, first off, there's a log jam in the outfield. You have PCA who's making spectacular plays on a nightly basis, right? PCA then you rules. have, he's unbelievable. As and an then, aside, PCA just rules. Like, I know he's he just does. incredible. Know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, him and Nico and Dan's <laughs> going to be something else. Then you have left field and right field. They're locked up for the next like half decade, dude. So center field, you're assuming that PCA is going to continue to develop and that role is his for the taking. So then where does that leave Nelson? How important this is like weird thing to say. How important is it for Nelson's overall development for this team to play in Iowa right now, or not even like every day in a DH spot? Does it really that does it matter that much, or do you want to see what he has and maybe he evolves into like a daily DH guy? And at the very least, if he fizzles out, you know, at least you know more about your team and your options going forward, right? I don't learn anything about this team going forward with Eric Hosmer playing over 50% of the time. 
dude. I'm pretty confident in what I know about Nick Madrigal. We've seen it throughout the past two and a half seasons now. I don't know much about Morales' adjustments. I don't know anything about Matt Mervis at the big league level. And I'm dying to know more about Nelson Velasquez. That way, when I get to the middle of July, I can be more confident. Does it make sense to trade Brennan Davis for a bat? Does it make sense to trade some of these top prospects for a back-end reliever, right? There's so many different ways to look at this, but for me, the risk of not bringing these guys up now is in addition to them not winning games in May. It's going to trickle perhaps down into August and September because you didn't make the moves that were optimal in July because you didn't have the information to do it. Well, and I I think too, you know, to the discussion – uh, you know, some people are having where it's like, you know, I think there there's debate, it seems on like social media and just some conversations you read, like I said, just looking through like the Reddit post game bleacher nation comments, etc. CHGO Cubs mentions on Twitter, like there, there's definitely some people who don't necessarily believe that that urgency is there right in the front office and that, you know, this was a kind of whatever, let's see what happens kind of year and like the real chip pushing in uh, comes in 2024. Right. And, you know, I, I don't know, like, as Cody said earlier in the chat, like Tom Ricketts was the one talking about winning the division. Jed Hoyer's the one, you know, talking about trying to make the playoffs and all that stuff. Like those weren't declarations that we made. They made them. Um, also at the same time too, sorry to interrupt there, but at the same time, let's say PCA comes up right in 2024, Bellinger's on a seven war pace, man. So like, Sounds crazy to say, but you're getting insane over expectations yeah. out of your offense. Can you even match that in your promotions right. next year? No, I mean, I and know. that's 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 what our guy Cody Domendo was saying earlier. Like, if Cody Bellinger is playing at a seven war pace, you figure out what you need to put around him to win <laughs> yeah. games. Like, right. yeah, don't worry about next year. Exactly. Like, try, you you've got a, a real thing on your hands here. But I think it's 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 all to me the same conclusion, right? Like, even if you view 2024 or 2025, I don't know, right? It depends on how this all works out as the real, like, we're back to 2016 level, like expected to win 105 games when the Cubs won the world series. 2016. In 2016. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you need info on these guys. You, you need to see, you, you don't want Merv. If, if your expectations are crazy at the beginning of next year, do you want Matt Mervis coming into a situation where the team has Dude. a 105 win projection and he's never seen major yeah, league pitching? Man. I don't think that That's, you do. We had this discussion in August yeah. last year, dude. Yeah. I'm like, oh, if we have to go into the season not knowing about Mervis, that's going to perhaps misinform what they do. And it may have resulted in us getting Eric Osmer and having this, this conversation. Again, it's not the like slight Eric Osmer, but it's just there's a sense of a lack of of urgency, right? To, and that's why I don't like. To me, it's it's fairly simple. And I think this is true with Morel too. But if we're looking at a one-for-one one of Eric and Hosmer, or excuse me, Eric Hosmer and Matt Mervis, right? I promise you, I know it. I guarantee it, right? Whatever I have to guarantee, Eric Hosmer is not going to put up a 900-plus OPS at the major league level. Yeah. I promise you. Book it, right? You have the Corey Friedman guarantee. Wow. Those Matt never go Mervis, out. Matt Mervis might. I don't know. I'm not expecting him to because he, he doesn't have any MLB experience. And just because he's torn up AAA does not mean that that immediately translates. But I know Eric Hosmer is not going to do it. Matt Mervis 
maybe stays hot and keeps this going. Yeah. It's the same as like Christopher Morrell, right? We've seen him at the major league level. I do not think he's going to put up a 1300 OPS at the major league level. Right. But like when we were looking at guys like Luis Torrens, right? Like I know that's not going to happen. Right. But maybe Morrell is just on one. He's just seeing the ball. He's made some adjustments with his hand placement before the swing, things like that. Maybe he comes up and keeps this type of vibe going. Right. And again, you know, as our guy Cody Del Mendo's in the chat, he also brings incredible vibes, right? The team has a much more like youthful, energetic feel when him and Nelly are, you know, bouncing with each other in in the dugout, right? Like we need more of that. Like, and I I think that's good. Dansby greeting everybody at the top of the dugout, the two of them dancing in the (laughs) other corner of the dugout. Those are the vibes that the Cubs dugout needs. I'm just saying nobody when everybody's like freaking out about calling these guys up, I don't think anybody doing it is guaranteeing that these guys are going to perform or saying this is, you know, unquestionably the right move and it will work out. No. Right. But it's just the potential, the potential for these guys to provide huge boosts to this lineup. Right. And that includes as the chat's discussing Nelson Velasquez getting opportunities every day. Right. When he got put into that lineup and called up, into that crazy comeback against the Mariners, right? What happened, right? He launched a, a go-ahead grand slam. Yeah, man. There's other yeah. guys that they've trotted out there. They're not going to do that. It's just not going to happen. Even yeah. if he strikes out the next five at-bats, so what? He provided the impact. These guys can provide potential impact that these other guys just aren't. That's that's the real, like, simple case. And as I said before, there's only a certain number of positions on this team where this is even a conversation or up for grabs. A lot of this roster, unless there's some massive change, is pretty set in stone. They're going to play every day, or they're going to play the majority of days. And that only gives a couple positions and a couple of players that are up for grabs and flexible. So, again, there's no guarantees in, in baseball, in prospects, or anything like that. But... Those two guys and Velasquez too, getting more of an opportunity while he's up here, like that's the area where this team has the ability to potentially, keyword potentially, get a lift that they need to help them bringing it all full circle, right? Perform better in one run games on the road against a, you know, average Miami team, right? I, mean, I don't think that anything Matt Mervis is going to do is going to be worse than Eric Hosmer, right? But it may be so much better. And where does that leave the Cubs? That's the question. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, it's a delicate balance. It's not an obvious decision, right? Which means by nature, that type of gray area is going to be subject to to criticism. Is this the right path going forward? Sure. We can, we can date this back to 2017, 2018 in the Javi Baez situation where there was a void at shortstop. There was no intentions of Javi Baez being a starting shortstop for that era. He ended up cementing himself as an absolute legend out of necessity. It wasn't right. out of intention. It was out of necessity. And he developed, he developed a better two-strike approach, a B-hack that we saw in 2016 against the Giants in that game. He ended up winning the World Series that year. The following year, he developed more of an upright stance. He played almost every day, almost won an MVP one year by playing spectacular defense. It was stolen from him by Christian Yellick, who was cheating. And sometimes when players get opportunities, 
they develop at unexpected rates. And with Christopher Morrell, it's for me, it's not just the idea that the Cubs are going to win more games, which I think is a pretty easy argument to make separate from the development. I'm actually hung up on the idea that he's just not going to develop as quickly as he needs to by playing half the games against sub-optimal pitching in AAA. Yeah. And I also think the environment is so important. Having... Man, I wish I wish this comes across clear, but having like that type of like fear and that adrenaline at the big league level, man, it locks in stuff yeah. from like a neurological perspective. I, and I think I, Mar- I think Morel is unique in accepting that, Corey. Uh, Christian Yelich was cheating, Cody. I tried desperately to figure <laughs> it out watching. I've watched a lot of video of Milwaukee home games from 2018. I never could figure it out, but I know uh, it, right? Um he shouldn't have talked shit to you, Darvish. I mean, that's no. just what it is. God, that I that was the Darvish, mistake. Man. I, I also think that this environment is really good and healthy for these young prospects. And I think that's not to be lost in the shuffle, right? Like coming up in a situation where expectations are high. If you were a prospect getting called up at the end of 2016 to this Cubs roster when they won the World Series, World Series that's yeah. a lot of pressure, right? Things are going incredibly well. You're being called upon to keep that going or not screw it up or, you know, be coming into immensely high leverage situations, right? As that season and postseason plays out, this isn't really like that. The stakes are fairly low. This team is competitive. The locker room seems very healthy in terms of the new leadership that they've kind of added and the sort of vibe that David Ross and his coaching staff has have cultivated. And right now these guys are not being called up or wouldn't be being called up like Nelson when he came up for that Seattle game. He's not being called up being asked to be the leader of the team or to be thrust into this, you know, uh, juggernaut of a roster. He's just asked to come in and do his part. Hop on into the nine spot in the lineup and do your part and you get to play a big role because of how many close games this team is playing and stuff like that. You get to be a part of big moments and really have your moment as a player getting called up and put into these situations. But it's not this intense pressure of a situation. I think it's a good situation for stuff like this and for these young guys. Um this is an ongoing subject. If they make one of these decisions on Monday morning, then great. Like, you know what I mean? Um, that's awesome. Evil Wax 73. Yes. Ben Brown promoted to AAA, mm-hmm. uh, four starts, uh, sub, you know, half a run ERA. He's looked really good. Got him for David Robertson. Another trade that looks really good for Jed Hoyer. Uh, would not be surprised to see Ben Brown at some point, uh, this year, if the Cubs need a spot start, we won't get into Caleb Killian. I don't think Brendan wants to talk about that. Uh, but before we no. sign off, uh, I do just want to give you a second. Tell me why Adbert Alzali should be the closer for this team. Yeah, he's got the best slider in the bullpen right now. If you if you don't like blue pits, if you don't like nonsense, he's your most no, no nonsense guy. Right now, he has three different breaking pitches: slider, slow slider, cutter. Two of those pitches did not exist in his repertoire two years ago. The cutter didn't exist even until when he came back from injury last season, the biggest argument against Alzali is the lefty problem. When he gave a 13 of his 14 home runs before the injury as starting pitcher, the cutter should mitigate some of those problems against lefties. That's what Daniel Moscasa says, what Tommy Hadevi has said. And now he's using that pitch almost once every five pitches, that pitch has elevated from development to comfort level. Right. And you're seeing like, dude, the energy that he brings, he's feeling it. He told our guys that he likes that type of role. He wants that walkout music. 
So for me, given the entire situation right now, Fulmer needs to work on some stuff. I do think he has potential. I do think Fulmer has potential. Like, which it, which is what we said, just yeah. not necessarily. He and doesn't this, need to be closing games until this, yes, of course. Listen, a sweeper he's that he's good. developing looks good, right? Yeah, it's the idea of using your best guys in the best situation right now, and it's tied into the whole discussion we're having today with Morrell and Mervis and Nelson. Use your best talent yeah. in the best situations. Accept some of the uncomfortable risks that might come with it. But if you don't accept some of that uncomfortable risk, you may be causing more problems in the future down the road than you currently anticipate. It's happened before with this front office and this team. I don't want that to happen again, Corey. I want to try our best to not let that happen. Yeah, I'm with it. And I think Adbert has the, I think he's got the, the personality. He's, got, I think he's got the mind to handle that role and really kind of embrace that role. He's we got the about- potential for it. Yeah, we talk about Nico, you know, having the mindset and and the character to be that leadoff hitter and and set the table. We talk about, you know, Justin Steele having that mindset and character to pitch through difficult situations and continue doing his thing. I think Adbert's got that. I also really love the idea of like a homegrown yeah. guy save like Adbert Alzali saving a game for Justin Steele just sounds awesome. Yeah, like, and you can have Jeremiah Estrada. Homegrown, just keep yeah. it clean on the box score. It's all your development, guys. Like, that just sounds great. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Nick G said in, in the YouTube chat, I saw enough blue pits to last me all season this yeah, last no series. Kidding, That's a problem, right? You, you got to have guys that get whiffs. It's, you know, it's it's pretty simple, right? It's like, hurting my things, health. Bad things can happen when, when guys hit the ball. Um, not everybody is as good as, you know, guys like Stroman and some, you know, Kyle Hendricks at his peak at – getting contact, but making sure it's weak and going to the right place. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that's it overall, again, like if you told me at the beginning of the year that this team would be 14 and 13 after this stretch of the schedule and just to start this year, I would have taken it. Right. And I'm looking at what Cody Bellinger's doing, what Patrick wisdom is doing, what Nico Horner's doing, what Dansby's doing in his first year. Saya since coming back again, he had a rough series in Miami. It's fine. Relax. Um, I take all of that. Like they're in the mix and you know, it's going to be on them for how aggressive they want to be with certain decisions, how guys develop as this season goes along. Are they able to keep things going, make the changes that are necessary, et cetera. How does David Ross deploy all of this on an everyday basis? But as we sit here right now, and if you guys are listening to this on Sunday, April 30th or Monday, May 1st, right now, the Cubs are in the playoff race. They are in this race. They are, their run differential looks good. Their, you know, starting staff looks good. A lot of guys on this offense look really good. They're hitting that really high percentile outcome. We'll see where it goes. But, you know, for the end of April, I think this is a pretty good place to be. And I know that like you and uh, our guys, Luke and Cody, Ryan and Jared, it's a lot more fun talking about this team uh, on an everyday or, you know, once weekly basis uh, than it was last year. So uh, things are looking up. And I think the fact that, you know, the YouTube chat, the Twitter comments, everything is so passionate, as we said, I think it's indicative that, you know, passionate. the Cubs are back, right? Are they all the way back? Is it Jed's league? We're getting there, right? But they're competitive. They're in this mix. So, and yes, as Nick G is uh, saying in the chat, um, the Cardinals got swept by the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Cardinals finish uh, the month of April, I believe 10 and 18, 10 and 19. So that's good news and a good way to finish this episode of the CHGO Cubs podcast. So 
We appreciate all of your support. Again, check out all of the wonderful NFL draft coverage from our team at CHGO Bears that started on Thursday. Tons of live content, analysis, draft recaps, everything. Really great stuff from our CHGO Bears team. Pre and post back on Monday as the Cubs head to Washington, D.C., the hometown of one Matt Mervis. He's got a place to stay, I assume, right? So it's easy. He doesn't even need a hotel room, guys. You know what I mean? Um, Just a thought. Uh, But Cody, Ryan, Luke Stuckmeyer will have your pre and post game needs live on the CHGO Sports YouTube page, of course. Uh, Episodes available wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you supporting the CHGO Cubs podcast. Brendan and I will be back with you next Sunday. And as always, go Cubs.